The Ask Theory podcast shines the spotlight on Pinoy scientists from various scientific disciplines. Listen to some of the country's best scientific minds as they explain what they do in simple terms and share fascinating stories of how they got into science, the incredible things they've learned about the world around us, and so much more. So, hi, hi, Doc Buddy. Welcome to the Asiri Podcast. Good morning from the Philippines. I, I know ibang time zone ka dyan. <laughs> hi, Mikael. Good evening dito. Great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Oh, great, great. Just for listeners to know, nasan ka ba ngayon? <laughs> ah, okay. I'm in Boston now. So, 12 hours difference from Manila. I'm taking my master's in epidemiology sa Harvard. While I'm concurrently a clinical fellow in neurosurgical oncology in Toronto. Uh, and then all the summers, I'm taking my master's. Uh-huh. Wow, pretty awesome. And it sounds like a pretty busy life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it. It's it's nice here in, in Boston during the summer. It's my first time here. You see? Uh-oh. Well, I'm sure you have a lot of fun stories to share with us about your studies right now. Pero before anything else... I'd like our listeners to know a little more about you. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey towards falling in love with science? Okay. So I'm a neurosurgeon who trained at the Philippine General Hospital. So I had my medical training. My medical school was UP College of Medicine, class 2013. Immediately after, I went into the neurosurgery program. And after... Straight out of training, I did subspecialty training in endoscopics called the surgery in Calgary. And then after that, year two of fellowship in neuro-oncology in Toronto. So I'm done with my second year and doing another year of neurosurgical oncology fellowship. Yeah, so that's yun yung naging track. As for how I fell in love with science, that's a loaded question. So basically, I don't know if it's accident or things just fell into place. I think when you're a clinician, it's it's almost natural for you to get, you have to be involved in science in some form, right? When you see patients and when you have clinical questions, the way to answer those would be to look at evidence. So I think for most doctors to be able to do well by our patients, you have to be familiar with evidence-based medicine. You start that way. And sometimes the answers to clinical questions you might have do not exist in the literature, especially problems we had in PGH. PGH is such a special place. Mm-hmm. There's no place like it on earth. <laughs> things that those would provide opportunities for you to produce original research because we have we have a unique population unfortunately our patients because of their their circumstances life because of a number of social determinants of health they seek care late so they present late in the natural in their natural history saying disease profile is different so basically it all started there when when we we were looking at patients and dealing with these clinical questions that there was little written on them. So that's how how we got into doing clinical neurosurgical research in PGH. Okay, so when you say parang unique, it's a bit of the good and the bad. 
yeah, so you, you see patients very late in their natural history. So uh-huh. they are much bigger when they come in. Subsequently, outcomes are poor, right? For a trainee, there's there's a lots of opportunity there. For example, if you're a surgeon, you do, you become good quite quite quickly because you have to deal with all these difficult tumors when you're training. But ultimately, you know what you realize is when you want to improve surgical outcomes, you gotta deal with it's it's not enough that you treat patients individually. You gotta deal with systems, and you gotta deal with addressing the other reasons that led them to to present quite late in their illness. So I think it all boils down to health being a political issue. There's a lot of social determinants that would ultimately determine outcomes. The treatment and surgery part of it is only a small part of it, actually. So to improve surgical outcomes, lots have to, uh, have, have to be done from a public health point of view. So you might realize going into PGH. Uh-huh. Yeah. And for sa akin, this is interesting because we often hear about healthcare being a problem not just in the Philippines. Arang, I mean, some countries that, uh, let's let's say the first world countries, have better systems of healthcare. Some, not so much. I mean, we hear a lot about the United States, for example, arang, how the healthcare system needs improvement. and at the same time, as a people, we've just kind of accepted, which is sad, but we've just kind of accepted that the healthcare system in the Philippines is, how do I put it, not satisfactory, needs a lot of improvement, and has been this way for a very long time. Yeah, for sure. No, So, I mean, there are smarter people out there who are into public health who can, who can talk more on this. But yeah, ultimately, you realize that social determinants of health play a big role in, in outcomes and treating subspecialists just play a small part of it. You workforce in PGH, you would, you would be hard pressed to find a more motivated workforce. They're all really good and just trying their best given the constraints. But yeah, I mean, you, you do your best, but ultimately systems have to change and how we finance healthcare in the country has to change. I mean, most of healthcare in the Philippines is paid out of pocket, which doesn't yes. really make sense. You know? But yeah, you have to talk to a public health person. Yeah, for, for more perspectives. Or for more perspectives. But even I know that that, that <laughs> I play b- basically a small role in, in improving, in, in, in making things better for them. We need sweeping changes to the healthcare system for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. I've witnessed a lot of times now yung how people at PJH work. Siguro yung pinaka-notable for me or pinaka-memorable was when my father was confined there many years ago. He had cancer and a lot of other illnesses related to a smoking habit that he quit actually 30 years earlier. So parang even even though he already quit smoking three decades ago, yung consequences of that habit sort of caught up and sadly he passed away. He didn't survive his ordeal, but I was able to see how the people at PGH uh, worked so hard and also yung great demand 
for healthcare from that particular institution dahil ang daming everyday, daming nakapila, ang daming mga patients looking for care then and also yung financial aspect of it ako i remember i had to go to a lot of institutions organizations to ask for assistance in paying for my my dad's bills kasi as an employee syempre maghuhulog ka sa SSS maghuhulog ka sa PhilHealth maglo-loan ka from these institutions but sometimes it's just not enough so punta pa akong PCSO nagpunta pa akong saan-saan to to get money for ano so talagang i totally agree with you doc na Sobrang daming kailangang ayusin dito sa sa healthcare system sa Pilipinas and it's it's really not just an issue of yung the, the just the quality of of service provided by the by our healthcare professionals it's really deeply rooted in a system that needs to be fixed so For sure yeah yeah so it's it's nung nasa PGH ako i think things got better later mm-hmm. later during residency but when i was a first year resident may sarili kaming surgical kit na may ready na for appendectomies, may sarili uh-huh. kami lab back sa, sa lockers. I mean, residents had to pay out of pocket to take care of their patients. Lahat ginagawa ng paraan just to, just to facilitate care. So, everyone's just doing their best, but I mean, you can only do so much, right? I mean, the sy- systems have to change. Agreed. Oh, sobra. I'm curious though, why your neurosurgery? I mean, you could have picked any specialty. Was there anything specific that drew you to this field? Well, I actually don't know. I mean, they always say, no, pagka matalino, it's either <laughs> brain surgeon or a rocket scientist. Oh. <laughs> Parang hindi ako naka-get over doon, so I stopped being a <laughs> I actually thought of being either a neurologist or a neurosurgeon. But, you know, I have the highest respect for neurology colleagues, pero I felt that I wanted to do to be able to do more. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, if the good thing about surgeons, if you see a tumor, and you, you can take out the tumor, so you can do more for a patient. At least that's how I felt. Yeah, so that's just how I felt then. And I had family then who had a brain tumor, and maybe that's that's part of it as well. Yeah, yung very personal, parang deeply rooted in your own personal experiences that sort of like steered you towards this this line of work. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, I don't perhaps. Know. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Yeah, my mom is a doctor then. Ah. But maybe part of why I, I got into it. Yeah. Baka in inception niya na, ay, parang gusto niya rin maging brain surgeon ako. Gusto niya ako na, na pumasok sa field. But I never regretted it. I, I mean, I, I do love my job. Yeah. That's the most important thing. And it does sound like you you really are invested in this as more than just a profession. Like I can feel that you have an emotional, yeah, really an emotional connection to, to oh, your yeah. Training in neurosurgery is hard. It's physically taxing. It's mentally yeah. challenging. It's technically challenging as well. I mean, so nung training, parang araw, araw-araw mo gusto mong quit halos. If you don't derive joy from the actual surgery, I don't think tatagal ka. I mean, you can, I mean, talking about the training culture and the medical, the, the culture in medical training, that's a whole different story. But I mean, ultimately, pag hindi mo gusto yung ginagawa mo, I think mapapak, well, hindi ka talaga tatagal especially with neurosurgical training in PGH. So, yeah, I do enjoy the work. It's it's highly fulfilling. 
Tsaka parang I get the sense na the work is important. I mean, you're seeing, you're dealing with life and death situations all the time. But to get the feeling that the work is important. So you feel good about that. So you're, you're motivated to go to parang ganun yung, At least that's how I think about it. Huh. Do, do you have a mission statement? Like if there's one thing that you want to accomplish as a scientist, as, as a man of science, in one sentence, what would that be and why? A man of science? Hmm. <laughs> I guess, I mean, ultimately it's to improve surgical outcomes, right? For Filipinos and all Filipinos, including those who are marginalized and those who are underserved. That's a UP College of Medicine motto. Ah. And, Okay. So, Karina, you, you, you talked a little bit about how the situation is in the Philippines. That led me to think that I'm, I'm sure that all over the world, you, you know, neurosurgery as a field itself has some maybe disparities or kita yung differences between countries in the way they, you know, in terms of surgical outcomes, the, the quality of care, support from the government, etc. But to give us a broader picture, what can you tell us about the disparities in neurosurgery across the world? Neurosurgery is practiced differently. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that one way is better than the other. You do what makes sense for your locale, right? For example, mm-hmm. in, I mean, Filipino neurosurgeons, they, they're among the most technically skilled. I mean, just because of the training we get, and the case, in the, the case mix, the profile, I mean, I think it's unparalleled. But yeah, we practice neurosurgery differently. For example, in aneurysms, because the, the cost, so aneurysms, when they rupture, they can either be treated open surgically mm-hmm. by neurosurgeons or, or by coiling. So coiling is a less invasive way to treat this. A neurosurgeon, a neurologist, or a radiologist, Either of them can do this procedure. So they would go through the groin and pass catheters to sort of obliterate the aneurysm. So in, in PGH, at least, because the cost is prohibitive for coiling, everyone gets clipped. So vascular lesions, for example, they're almost always treated by open surgery. So it's, it's the other way around. So patients do as well. I mean, but they're managed differently. So... There's opportunity then in training back home because we get all that practice, right? We do get better at what we get to do for our patients. So I think there's no right way of doing it. I mean, you just do what's best for your patient. So neurosurgeons make do with what's available, basically. And I can imagine that for other fields of medicine, medyo ganyan din ang lagay, ang sitwasyon. So tingin ko, yeah, yeah. I mean... I would imagine iba yung, una-una, iba din yung mga differential diagnosis in, in, in the Philippines, iba yung local epidemiology, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so there are different ways to practice medicine. So basically, doctors just do what makes sense for their community, basically. Okay. What are some insights that you can share about, since you've brought this up kanina, yung improving surgical outcomes dito sa, sa Philippines. Let's focus on the Philippines specifically. Kasi... Sabi mo nga, there are a lot of unique situations or circumstances that present themselves as opportunities to study yung kung anong lagay dito sa Pilipinas. So, ano ba lagay ng mga surgical outcome, successes, failures? What have you learned so far? Yeah, so 
I'll talk to, about this one small study we did in PGH on mm-hmm. basically the survivor of glioblastoma. So glioblastoma is brain cancer. It's a terrible disease. So even with best multimodal treatment, the standard of treatment is safe maximal resection of the tumor and then chemotherapy and radiotherapy na sabay, concurrent chemo radiation after that. And even when you're able to do all that, the median survival is between like 14 to 15 months. It's a terrible disease. Yikes. Yeah. So in PGH, we did the study, a small study on social economic determinants of survivorship. So first, mm-hmm. first person median survival, so PGH was way, way lower than than what's we, what, what we usually quote. So in 14 to 16 months, quoted in the literature, doesn't really apply to PGH. And the reason why that is, is because many of them come in very late in the natural history. So most of them had tumors greater than five centimeters, like at least 60% data. And this makes these tumors hard to resect. So because they've already invaded eloquent areas of the brain, you're not able to resect them safely. So you end up with doing a subtotal resection or even just a biopsy. So we know the extent of resection is directly related to survivorship. So intuitively, when you're not able to take them out, survivorship is terrible. What we also saw was the rate of abandonment. So after the surgery, a lot of them weren't able to do adjuvant treatment. Because surgery, PGH covers for that easily. But the adjuvant treatment and chemotherapy and radiation therapy, like how you experience it, you know, you apply to PCSO, etc., etc. There's nominal coverage by PhilHealth. I don't know how it is now, but certainly not enough. So, mababa yung yung antas no abandonment rate. It's also why that 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 survivorship is terrible. Tapos we also saw na interestingly we looked at social determinants of health. So low income, mm-hmm. low educational status, and I think rural residents were all associated with poor outcomes. So things that were seemed obvious, but it was striking to see na they really were affecting surgical outcomes. It's not like we were worse surgeons and the surgeons over there do a good job at dealing with, with what they have, right? Doing a safe maximal resection. Pero these things, I mean, things out, out of your control could cause the, the survivorship to be, be terrible. So it's just one of those examples that makes you realize that we need to do a lot more from a systems perspective to make things better. I mean, Doctors, clinicians, hospitalists can only do so much. I like how you mentioned that these things might seem like obvious uh, factors because yeah. approaching them one by one or, or listing them down like that, mapaisip ka na, ah, oo nga, alam mo naman na, alam naman natin na una, pera-pera, talagang yeah. it's costly to get medical care here in the Philippines. Not just here in the Philippines, but I mean, more so here in the Philippines where problema na nga yung earning enough for everyday life, problema na nga yung minimum wage, working conditions, all of that stuff. But also, sasamahan mo pa ng factor na getting medical care when when you need it. And yung income, hindi lang siya problema sa ah, hindi namin afford yung treatment. It's also, I feel it also affects yung willingness to consult in the first right. place. Yeah, diba? yeah. Kasi parang, 
Ah, wala na nga akong perang pangkasa sa budget natin ngayong buwan. Magpapatingin pa ba ako sa doktor para di sa nararamdaman ko? Itutulog ko na lang to. Yeah. Ako sama yun. So yung decision na magpatingin, yung yeah. kamayahan para makapunta sa isang sa isang primary care doctor, kakayanan para makapag-CT scan or MRI to get the diagnosis, kakayanan para pumunta sa referral center. All of these social determinants play a role, right, in each of those steps. Ang surprising lang sa GBM, because we already know cancer health disparities exist. We know they exist for lung cancer, they exist for breast cancer, they exist for prostate cancer. Pero yung conventional wisdom was, social determinants of health had a greater role to play in these cancers because they were screen-detectable cancers. So parang mas obvious yung effect ng social determinants of health sa kanila kasi ang, 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 ang haba ng time where you can possibly intervene. So mm-hmm. yung, yung parang conventional wisdom for, for a thing like glioblastoma na mabilis yung, yung when, when you get diagnosed with glioblastoma, mabilis yung clinical course. Eh. It does not affect yung social determinants, at least the theory, does not affect outcomes as much. Pero I think sa Pilipinas, kasi sobrang glaring nung effect nung poverty, etc. To, to access pati yun na apektuhan. So I think that was a noble thing na nakita na even for a condition na hindi, it's not classically one of those screen detectable cancers where you have well well where, where cancer health disparities are well described but you also see the effects of poverty or or, or yung social determinants and outcomes yeah mm-hmm. so we we talked about the challenges no yung challenges ng of being a patient requiring neurosurgery here in the Philippines and how factors here in the country sort of make it difficult for people in that situation. But what about people who are into clinical research in a low-income setting such as this country? You mentioned kanina na, yun nga, because of the unique circumstances, magandang magpag-aralan itong mga kasong to. Pero what are some of the challenges naman in doing that? So yeah, it's... it's <laughs> I can go I can speak for an hour about the challenges of doing clinical <laughs> research. Pero first yung, I mean the culture at PGH is, is good. The research culture is good and it's improving. Pero ultimately research is something that's done on the side. Mm-hmm. Physicians or staff they they mostly deal with clinics and, and, and care. Parang hobby lang nila yung research. It's something that's done on the side mostly. Mm-hmm. So, so yung makikita mo, yung mga nag-research, talagang mahilig talaga mag-research. They're really passionate about it. Kaya they persist in doing it, even with little support for it. Tapos, institutional support, there's a bit of that, but they could always be more. So yung a- a- applying for grants, etc., very limited. Meron naman, hindi naman siya zero, pero hindi siya katulad ng ibang bansa na madali or mas, ma- mas-, mas madami yung chances to get grants. Hindi lang yun, may mga systems problem pa. For example, locating charts, no? Sa ibang bansa, everything's written on EMRs, on the ng retrieval and, and collecting the information. I remember when we had to do research during residence sa PGH, mag-collect ka ng parang isang, dalawa, tatlong tambak ng charts. <laughs> you have to go through them. 
those yeah. things, yeah. I mean, you have you have to. I mean, all this extracurricular work. Na kung hindi mo talaga gusto, hindi mo gagawin. Yeah, gagawin lang out of a requirement or ano. But of course, it's not how you do impactful research, right? Of course. Yeah. So those are the challenges and damning challenges. But there are also opportunities. Like I talked to you about their conditions na we only see. So in in residency, there's this. May mga conditions of poverty, unfortunately, that are when you read the books, they're very rare elsewhere. So there's there's something called hydranencephaly. So it's a congenital malformation where basically intrauterine may stroke of the main vessels supplying basically most of the brain. So they don't develop. It's it's a, it's a sad thing. So so undaming risk factors that are related to poverty. So basically, it's a When you read the books, they would tell you, yung these patients they just live until two years, and then that's 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 it for them. Yikes! Yeah, so, but in in so marami din sa kanila hindi na pinapaterminating pregnancy. In PJH, we see a bit of them, and we I I remember no senior I shunted quite a couple. They 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 develop hydrocephalus. So yeah, when they're healthy enough. You can intervene. You can put a shunt in to deal with hydrocephalus. So we were seeing these patients were growing past two years, four years, five years. So we started looking. Na perhaps yung yung nakasulat sa books na two years. It's not true. So that, that's yeah. what we ended up doing. We did a parang natural history study ng mga hindi na operahan, tasi mga na operahan, and we saw that the median survival was way way past two years. So they didn't really develop normally. Yung yung very cognitively delayed, but uh, pag okay yung care, they ended up surviving past. Kung anin nakalagay sa book. Yung expected. So, right, right. So yung mga ganong stuff, no? Na there are unique things that need to be written down. Mm-hmm. So there's an opportunity for a lot of novel, potentially impactful research. So yung mga ganon di di mahita. Hindi pinag-aaralan sa sa US yun or sa sa Canada yun, right? It's it's our job. It's sort of our disease. Iting mga nakikita natin. So I think it's incumbent for us to write about about them. Yeah. So talagang na-establish na there is a need to to publish research from from countries like the Philippines. And this might sound like an obvious question, pero what what needs to be done to to facilitate more research from the Philippines, particularly with regard to neurosurgery. How do we improve the research scene in the Philippines? Ano bang ang kailangan baguhin or kailangan idagdag? I think the training programs are starting to see na there's opportunity. So the research culture is actually improving. So we have mentors who know, who write research and who can teach research. So that's better. I mean, At the end of the day, dapat may institutional support. Eh. There has to be incentives to write research. I mean, you cannot expect staff or physicians to take time out of their busy clinical practice to to write and and not uh, have them compensated. I think mm-hmm. there has to be grants for clinical research. So it yeah, it has to be an institution system. So while thing to support researchers. I don't think it's 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 unique to neurosurgery. I mean to 
research in the Philippines in general, I think pare-parehas lang naman yung problema. Oh, I agree. And yeah, yeah you, you raised an important point na yeah, we cannot just expect practitioners to take time away from saving lives, basically, to write research without the proper incentive. Kasi it's, it's time, it's effort, it's energy. You know, if you feel like doble-doble yung trabaho ko, it leads to burnout, among other things. Yeah. Agreed, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, either they should be, so sa elsewhere in 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 in, in, in sa states or sa Canada, they have, yung mga physicians get paid for it. So, may, may track na physician, surgeon scientist, or surgeon investigator. Mm. So, nagbigay sa contract nila yun. X percent of their hours would be spent on research. So, they have dedicated time for research. It's part of what what they're paid for. Eh, sa Pilipinas nga, just the, yung most of our attending sa PGH don't even get paid. Ano mm, lang sila? Yikes. At, at least, hindi sila bayad sa, sa medical school or sa, sa service nila for for charity patients. Basically, many of them, they get the privilege to admit in the pay hospital. And, and it's mostly parang out of, I mean, out of love, of, parang out of want to, to serve PGH. So, yeah, so that hospital runs on on passion. And on love. <laughs> so, idun pangalang, there's parang. I mean, things are improving mm. for sure. I know the director is really bent on getting folks compensated, pero a lot more can still be done. Yeah. So, dun pala sa takes, diba? Uh, clinical work, wala na nga. Sa research pa kaya. Oo. Actually, listening listening to you, to you tell yung stories or, or give us a basic picture of how it is here in in, P, in PJ as, as, as a smaller example of the greater field of neurosurgery in the Philippines. Parang may, may dalawa akong naiisip eh. One is that the system, of course, the system has to change, the system has to be fixed. And two, there is a need for more, for more people in the field. That's what I'm getting from our discussion. Yeah, and a need for more support. I mean, there are a lot of, madami namang tao na were willing. Yeah, support in general for for research work, for clinical work. Yeah, yun yung kailangan. How would you set expectations for someone who wants to train to be a brain surgeon here in the Philippines? Ano na ba yung mga bagay na kailangan? Bawa ako, ah, uh, after ko makinikidok body, medyo parang ang hirap ng field na to pero na-inspire ako na maging brain surgeon. I've always been interested in this. So, ano ba ang mga kailangan kong malaman bago ko to pasukin? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a great field. It's technically challenging, but it's rewarding and uh, basically parang nasa cutting edge of medicine always. So sa PGH, they just very recently, wala na ako sa PGH yet, they did deep brain stimulation for tremors, for functional disorders. So these patients with really bad tremors na mm-hmm. debilitating na. So what they did was put in a, a stimulator. So just a small hole, maliit na burr hole sa ulo. And then nung na on yung stimulation, biglang nawala. So it's parang, it's like the stuff of science fiction. We're able to do that. 
Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of fields within neurosurgery. So that's you know one of it, one of them that's functional neurosurgery. Then you can do spine surgery, which is a whole list of conditions, Or you can do vascular clip aneurysm, just take out vascular malformations. You can do tumors, neuro-oncology. You can do skull-based surgery, which is what I do. You take out tumors at the base of the brain, sometimes not even through a craniotomy, but going through the nose. That's what I do, endonasal, endoscopic approach to take out tumors at the base of the brain. So you don't even have a wounds ahead. You just have wounds ahead. So it's, it's an interesting field. There's there's pediatric neurosurgery, congenital malformations, and other neurosurgical diseases in kids. So it's a broad field. I think, Marami, if you if you like this, like to be intellectually challenged, it certainly is attractive. And it's something it's really fulfilling work. You see the good that you do, and instantaneous. Nahita mo yung effect. Of, of a surgery well done and that's always soul failing so sabi ko nga dati para <laughs> sa sobrang hirap ng training mapapaisip ka ang bad mo ginagawa sa sarili nito you get to do these surgeries and you see the, the, the good you actually do and you see that the work is important and maybe it's really obvious or just hindi naman laging ganun so yeah I would encourage yeah anyone thinking of a career in your surgery to read more. You have to know what you're getting yourself into. And yeah, essentially, you really wouldn't know until you're you're in the hospital. Uh, when you're in the hospital, you get a sense of what you'd like to do. And then you decide then. That's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Hey, oh, it sounds like a very busy life. Do you still have time for, for extracurricular activities na parang, what do you do for fun? Meron naman. Depende naman sa'yo. Depende naman sa'yo. During training, I don't think you'll have a lot of time. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I remember, remember nung si, so pag first year ka sa PGH, merong nasa general surgery ka, so may outing every quarter. So nakalabas. Oh. So, pero nung neurosurgery proper, the, the first time I, I was only able to take a vacation nung senior na ako. Wow. And only I had to present a paper in Kuala Lumpur. So basically, bumuha ako ng papel even in neurosurgery merong one week leave so mm. things are bit, getting better slowly getting better but yeah so yeah. training is hard but you know after you're done with it you sort of say, parang, I still think it was worth all the trouble. I mean, yung PGH training really makes you good, eh, technically, and builds character. Yeah. Again, we can talk about you know, culture of training. It's a different, it's a different topic altogether. Yeah, I, I think when when you're in a field that you really like and even if it's difficult, parang it just makes the journey all the more worth it. Ang cheesy, pero I think that's true. Parang if you look back, diba, and then you see, ito yung mga ginawa ko to get to where I am now. It, it just really feels worth it. And then now you're you're saving lives, you're you're advancing knowledge about the conditions in the Philippines, specific to Philippine patients brought about by number of factors. It really does feel fulfilling, I can imagine. Yeah. It's, 
yeah, it's and it's totally true. I mean, it's it's worth it. But we can also do more to make training more humane. I mean, let me get that out there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's worth it. I'm happy. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and you know, ang importante. I mean, I'm sure the people who are who are listening now, na medyo na encourage na yung mag pursue nitong field na to, might have some questions for you. Might want to talk to you then out outside of this podcast. Maybe when you have free time to ask you about your your, your unique experiences. Ano ano ba yung ways para makontak ka or makapagreach out sa you? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> May time ba? <laughs> I'm on Twitter. So Twitter na lang. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. How else would you... And my email, I think, you can always send me an email or talk to me on Twitter, I guess. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we'll, we'll be sure to include yung Twitter handle ni Doc and yung email niya in the show notes. But I have a question for our listeners lang. Since we're on the subject of medicine here in the Philippines, ano, for, for those who are interested in pursuing a medical field, ano bang track ang gusto nyong i-follow? Or ano bang professional track in medicine ang gusto nyong hakin here in the Philippines and why? So if you have a story or answers that you'd like to share, Related to that question, you can email us at flipscienceph at gmail.com and we'd love to read what you guys think. So, yeah, so f- for any aspiring scientists out there na nagbabalak maging doctor or mag-conduct ng research sa medical fields sa Philippines, so anong track ang gusto nyo and bakit? Ano yung particular interest nyo? And what sort of led you to, to be on that track? Okay, so... This was a great episode. We don't get to talk about neurosurgery a lot here on the podcast. We've, we've had more than 80 episodes, but I think we, we've touched upon the topic, but this is the, one of the, the first times that we've really focused on this from an angle of clinical research and highlight yung circumstances that make it ideal, actually a need, that make it necessary for more research to be published about Filipino. So I'd like to thank you for taking time to talk to us, lalo na making this work even with different time zones. So thank you, Doc, for being here. No worries. Thank you, Mikael. Happy to be here. Yeah, but before I let you go, before I let you get some well-earned sleep, I'd like to ask you for one last nugget of wisdom or piece of advice for people who, not just those who want to become neurosurgeons or do research on neurosurgery, but Anyone who wants to pursue a scientific track here in the Philippines, ano ba ang maipapaya mo sa kanila? I guess work hard and... Work hard. Yeah, work hard and make sure you love what you do. I mean, if you love what you do, it, I mean, it's such a cliche, but I mean, it shouldn't feel like work then, right? So, yeah, if you, if you, if you love the work, then it becomes much easier for sure. I agree. I agree. In any, in any field, yeah. Pag nandun yung passion mo for what you do, it doesn't feel like work. Right, right. Yeah. Yon. Yon, Doc, again, thank you so much. I had fun talking to you. I learned quite a bit. And I hope na you'd be open to being on the podcast again at some point. Maybe if you publish a new paper or have some new findings to share, we'd love to, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear what you have to say. For sure. Thanks, Mikhail. Yeah. Oh, so have a great evening. Stay safe and keep in touch. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ask Theory. Follow Flip Science on Facebook, at Flip Science PH on Twitter, and at Flip Facts on Instagram. And check out our official Shopee store if you want to get copies of our books, 
historyang siyentipiko and science scramble. Stay curious!